Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode here on the 5571 Podcast. My name is Danny, and this is a podcast all about what's new and what's happening at the Design Resort, as well as other Southern California theme parks. And we have some news to talk about today, so let's go ahead and get started. First up, I wanted to talk about Disneyland After Dark events. So a little bit of news surrounding that category, of course. On the day that we're recording this podcast, which is Tuesday, February 20th, tickets went on sale already for um, Star Wars Night, the Disneyland After Dark event. Very popular Disneyland After Dark event. Um, It went on sale today only for Inspire key holders. Um, Tomorrow, the day that this podcast goes live, it'll be going on sale for all Magic key holders, and then... On February 23rd, it'll go on sale for the general public. Now, it was indicated by a few people on X and on Instagram, like uh, Scott Goosen and a few others on Instagram as well, um, that during the Inspire Key presale, that some dates are showing sold out. But I believe that's just for the allotment that they had for the Inspire Keys. So um, if you are purchasing tickets today at the time this podcast goes live, or if you're purchasing tickets um, on the 23rd, I don't think you need to fear just yet. I think there's still going to be availability for most, if not all, the days. Um, but as soon as it does go on sale, they'll probably have a lot less, and those days will fill up faster than they would have if it was just all general sale, right? So um, I would imagine they'll refresh some of those ticket allotments, but there won't be as many on each of the respective release dates. So a little bit of a different release for this one. It's not a new thing for Disney to allow Magic Key holders to have a little bit of a pre-sale on some of the After Dark events. They did that for um, Disney Channel Night, for Sweethearts Night, etc. They do it for Oogie Boogie Bash, all those kind of things. But this was the first time that Disney actually allowed the Inspire Key holders, which are the key holders um, with the most expensive pass have a little bit of an earlier access than most other passes. So um, a little bit of a nice benefit, right? For those that have shelled out the the money for an Inspire key, sometimes it feels like, you know, there's not really um, too many benefits, especially since your pass works the same as everyone else's. And depending on reservation availability, it may not even um, give you all that many dates to choose from anyway. So um, a nice little perk there for... um, for guests who are wanting to purchase those tickets. Um, And there are actually quite a few dates uh, for this particular Star Wars night. And this was the first time that Disneyland was offering a notify me option um, for those in the virtual queue. So if you're waiting in the online queue to purchase Star Wars night tickets, you do have the option to be digitally notified when it's time for yourself to enter like the ticket store to purchase your tickets. I think you have like 10 minutes or something. Um, the only issue is, is when you select the notify notify me option, you have to enter your email address. And uh, Mondo was talking about this on Speculation Sunday, but not a lot of us have like immediate access to emails as they come through, right? Some people maybe have their emails fetch occasionally. They're not always set like on to immediately come through. And some people don't have like their emails on like banner notifications on their phone or even um, like a, a notification that makes noise. It's something that you like passively check. So a um, little bit of a bummer. I wish they could have done like a text message notify me option instead of an email one. But um, I guess it's nice if people want to have it like up in the background and maybe, um, you know, their work, they're focusing on something else in another window. They can have their email up on like a computer screen. So it might work in that sense. Um, but 
we spoke a little bit about dates. So they're going to be having quite a few dates this time. It's April 16th, 18th, 23rd, 25th, uh, 30th. And then for May, they have May 2nd, May 7th, and May 9th. Um, no May the 4th uh, for this particular um, After Dark event uh, for Star Wars Night. They've done that in the past. Um, May the 4th is a Saturday, and typically they don't like to close Disneyland for these After Dark events on a Saturday, so that would make sense. Um, they are doing it on the 2nd, which is the Thursday before May the 4th, and the 7th, which is the Tuesday after May the 4th. So um, a little bit um, of a, a lot of availability there. So you have good chances to do and be able to go to Star Wars Night if you really want to do it. Um, no changes really that we can tell at this point as far as what they're offering. It looks like they have highlighted in the itinerary that um, they're bringing back the, the cavalcade, which they didn't do, I think, last year, um, which essentially lets guests who are in full cosplay, um, you know, go down Main Street in sort of like a parade with uh, Mickey and Minnie as like the uh, head marshal of the parade, right? They're at the front. So... Uh, that's, that's something that they're bringing back. That was kind of fun. We got to participate in that when we did our Star Wars night. Um, I don't like to purchase too many After Dark events just because they can add up in price. Um, I typically always do Oogie Boogie Bash because it's something that I like to do at Halloween time. Um, and then I usually like to pick like one other um, After Dark event. And for me, I chose Disney Channel Night because it was a brand new one this year. Um, so I'll be actually going to Disney Channel Night and the other um, After Dark event which is Disney Channel Night I was talking about, is because in just a couple weeks here, it's going to be the first Disney Channel Night, and that's the night that I'm going. So I'm going on March the 5th, uh, which is the first night, and then I believe the second night is March 7th. So only two nights for Disney Channel Night. I think the 7th is the second day. That one's sold out already. Um, but the 5th is still available, at least at the time of recording this. Um, so we are getting a little bit closer to that event date. Um, as of the day of recording this, it's only two weeks away. So, um, I'm excited to see what it's all about. Um, they did tease one of the shows in Disney Channel Night, which was the High School Musical Pep Rally. This was a, a long-standing show at Disney's, um, California Adventure at the time, um, that was running through all the different high school musical movies. So when the first one came out, they debuted it, and then they modified it to match High School Musical 2, and then modified it once again to match my High School Musical 3. And uh, they did this at Disney Disney's California Adventure Park, basically right at the front in the Sunshine Plaza. And then I think originally they did it over by like where um, Paradise Pier is, a.k.a. Pixar Pier now, like in that spot um, where they show World of Color. So... That was where they did it one year as well, too. Um, but they are either they're bringing back a version of that or maybe they still have that float somewhere and they just dusted it off and um, are bringing it out again to do this High School Musical pep rally once more. It'd be cool if they still had that float. I don't know if it still exists or if it was, you know, Frankenstein and some other new float that's on a new show or parade right now. Um, but they did mention that specifically, and that used to be a show. So kind of a cool little throwback for those that remember the old days of Disney California Adventure 1.0. So that was something that kind of uh, enticed me to want to book that to go back, as well as some other things they're doing, like a, a Descendants cruise um, on the Mark Twain or on the Rivers of America. Um, I went on 90s night, and they did an R&B 90s cruise around Rivers of America. That was super cool. Uh, I don't know too much about Descendants, but... 
Uh, either way, the, these like musical cruises on the Mark Twain during these After Dark events are pretty fun. So I'm going to be doing that. And then they're also they also highlighted um, Camp Rock Karaoke in um, the, the Golden Horseshoe and maybe like some trivia or something. So um, we'll check all that out. Of course, we're going to check out some of the food options um, and just see like what the general vibes are, um, what the character uh, meet and greets are like during that night and also what some of the photo opportunities are. If there's something, you know, if we see any nods to uh, people's favorite Disney Channel original movies, um, you know, the obscure ones like Johnny Tsunami or um, Luck of the Irish stuff like that, Xenon. So we'll see if there's any really cool photo opportunities. I would love to see all that. Um, I'm excited for the music they're going to play because that was a great era of Disney Channel, right? Uh, I'm surprised that this event honestly wasn't more popular. Um, I think if they teased it with like something like Hannah Montana, that maybe would have gotten like a ton of people to to book it and and, and purchase tickets for it. Um, but I don't know that, you know, I don't know how the licensing with that works being that you know, Miley, Sty- Miley Cyrus was the one that was actually uh, singing those. So I don't know how that works with their agreement with Disney. So, however, um, I think it'll be fun. It's something new. Um, so I typically, like I said, I do one Disney Channel After Dark or Disney event After Dark um, for Boogie Boogie Bash and then typically pick one other. Last year, um, I think I only did Oogie Boogie Bash just because we had a bunch of things we were purchasing. Um I wanted to do, um, I think I wanted to do Pride Night, but that one was um, sold out. And also it was um, around the time I was buying a bunch of other things. This year, Disney Channel Night came out as a new option. And I was like, I want to try that one. Obviously, we. this was kind of like my answer to an early 2000s Disney Ch- or Disneyland Night. Um, I was telling, um, you know, we had an opportunity to like meet some of the people that put together the, these after dark events one time. And I told them, I'm like, you got to bring back nineties night or do a combined like decades night where it's like eighties, nineties and early two thousands. And so early two thousands, I was really picturing like the height of this Disney channel era and all that like iconic Disney, like music from Disney channel, like the Disney friends for change and like the Hannah Montana's and the Jonas brothers and all that stuff. So it was really like, um, I felt like would have been a hit cause they could have sectioned off the park in like multiple areas and done these like decades of like p- favorite eras of people who, you know, grew up in different moments of Disney and it would kind of bring a lot of people together. Um, and, uh, this was kind of my thought as like their answer to doing like an early two thousands was like the Disney channel night. So we'll have to wait and see, right? Um, there was also something in there too about like Phineas and Ferb. Um, I wasn't really big on that one either, um, but I know it was super popular um, and still is popular. So I'll definitely just I'll just be given a whole overview of the evening, seeing what it's like, what entertainment's available. It'll be new. It'll be new to all of us. So that's the exciting part is something that's never been done before and seeing how Disney executes it. I think the cool thing about this event not being fully sold out yet is that there's a potential for the lines to be like super short. I remember with the um, the grad night that they did, like the fake grad night um, for the After Dark event last year or the year before, I can't remember what year it was, um, that was at Disney California Adventure Park. Mondo actually went to that one and he said that um, because, you know, and that one went off with the first night not even being sold out and I think the second night wasn't sold out either and they were giving tickets away to like different... 
um, social media influencers and stuff like that, and just cast members in general, people that wanted to go. Um, and it's still like they still didn't fully give out all the tickets for the event. But the cool part about that was it made the ride lines really short. So everything was like five minutes and, and just really short waits. So I'm hoping that on the non-sold out night, which is the night I'm going, uh, we see a similar thing. But this time it's at Disneyland, right? So uh, that'll be uh, a fun experience to, you know, to go on some attractions that have like basically no waits. And that's part of the draw, right, of um, a Disneyland After Dark event in general, Um it sounds like this time around, though, some of the Sweethearts nights weren't really like that. Sounds like they were pretty packed, pretty crowded, and um, full of a lot of people and long waits. So truly, I feel like these After Dark events that don't sell out, if your goal is to go on rides and not have long waits, this might be the move. Like Find these obs more obscure nights that people don't want to go to. Um, pick that Star Wars night that's like not a day that people want, you know what I mean? Like a Tuesday or a Thursday. I feel like that's the move to get these like shorter waits at Disneyland if your goal is to like ride rides. If your goal is to, you know, see and do all the different special activities that are offered during this event, that's a different story. But either way, I'm excited to do it. One of the things on the itinerary for this year, so I'll keep you guys updated on what my experience was like. Um, that event is going to be on a Tuesday. Um, I'll probably be there until, um, I would say like 11, almost midnight. <laughs> so I won't have an opportunity to film or record a podcast that night and then put it up on Wednesday like I normally would. So maybe that week I'll put it out on Thursday so that on Wednesday night I can share my thoughts and, uh, let you guys know what that's all about. So, I'll let you know if that's the case um, on Speculation Sunday with Mondo on his YouTube channel. I'll kind of um, figure out what the best idea is for that and uh, let you guys know when you can expect the podcast that week because uh, we'll definitely be talking about Disney Channel Night and uh, my experience with it. Um, I was hoping to get it out before the Thursday day, um, but if I put it out on Thursday day, it still gives people who are going that night an opportunity to like hear my thoughts um, if they're prepping to go that night and kind of how they can tackle it for um, their own experience. That's the goal. So uh, ultimately, that's what I like to do. I like to share tips and tricks and help people plan their visits and stuff like that. So I'll try to do that the best that I can, fill, record it on Wednesday and put it out on Thursday. Another upcoming news date is going to be actually this Friday. So something that I've been following pretty closely, collecting and playing, is the Disney Lorcana trading card game. Um, it's really fun if you've ever played the Pokemon trading card game or Magic the Gathering. It has a pretty similar um, game system, and you'll pick up this one pretty easily as far as gameplay. I have found in practice that it's a lot of fun. Um, but the, the game came out, um, earlier in 2023, um, with the first set, it was called the first chapter. Um, the, when it came out, it was really hard to get, and it's still hard to get even to this day. Um, collectors really want it. Um, and then people who play it really want it, right? You're always split in two different categories with, um, trading card games like these, whether it's Pokemon or Magic the Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh, or, or, or this Disney Lorcana, um, you have like the people that want to collect it and they don't really care to play it. They just want to buy as many packs as they can to try to complete each set. 
um, and also, you know, get some multiple ones they can maybe resell online, stuff like that. Um, and then the, you also have the people that just want to buy it to play it, to build their decks and do all that kind of stuff. So the reason why I was saying this week is, is on Friday, the third chapter or the third part of the set for Disney Lorcana comes out, um, to hobby stores. So the, at least the way that, um, Ravensburger, who's the company that makes this card game, uh, on behalf of Disney, um, they are doing, they do the release in, um, two different drop dates for each set. So they do an original drop date, um, a few weeks earlier for, um, local hobby stores. That would be like comic stores, card shops, um, uh, maybe other stores you've seen in your area that sell cards for Pokemon and, and all the other men- games I mentioned. Um, they'd be a location that would get this set on Friday, but it's also worth noting too, that the downtown Disney locations that sell this, as well as the Disney Springs locations that sell this over at Walt Disney World, they're included in this early release for hobby category. So on Friday, um, that would be available over at, for Disneyland anyway, it's going to be over at the um, trading, the pin trading store. So the pin trader store in downtown Disney, just next to the monorail station there across from Lego. That's the location that typically carries Disney Lorcana and releases them for drops. Um, they had released it um, on the last set came out on November um, 17th. And that was around November 17th. I think it was exactly 17th, but I can't remember. Um, but that was the hobby release date, but it also simultaneously released that day at World of Disney. Um, at Disney Springs, and then Pin Traders in downtown Disney. Um, So they also get it early um, at those locations, and they typically had pretty long queues on those first days. Um, I did go, I believe, the first day that it came out um, later in the evening, and they still had availability. Typically, what I'm seeing over in um, downtown Disney anyway, they usually have the starter packs for that new set, so the starter decks. Um, They have some booster packs, which are the things that sell out the first, you know, for everyone who's there. Um, And they usually have like a gift set or something. Um, So typically like three different things available. um, And they usually put a limit on each one. However, it's the limits usually on each transaction. So what we were seeing that day was people were just constantly getting back in line at the back of the line and Disney didn't care as long as you re-waited in line again so they just wanted to make sure that everyone who went through the queue and were in line purchased the maximum amount they were allowed to purchase and then if you choose or chose to wait in that queue again um, you'd be able to purchase that same amount again and some people were doing that like five six times (laughs) so maybe purchasing for friends maybe purchasing for collecting or for selling online it kind of just depends but um, I wanted to bring this up because sometimes people always, you know, people, last time I was posting about the, the second set that released in November of last year, um, people were like, oh, we didn't even know Disney didn't post about it. So, um, I actually follow Disney Lorcana, which is, a, um, on their social media accounts for like Twitter and for Instagram. And they usually post about the drops there. So, um, but I just wanted to bring that one up because that is coming out this week on Friday um, to all hobby shops and again, the downtown Disney location. Um, And this is the third set in this new game, which launched last year. So 
Um, the first chapter was the first set. Then the second set was called Rise of the Floodborn. And this one is called Into the Inklands. Um, and each set usually has like a, a theme of characters that we are seeing in that set. So the last set had um, a lot of like Madame Mim, uh, Merlin. So characters from like really obscure movies we hadn't seen in a while, some rescuers, things like that. Um, this set was really focused on DuckTales and like Atlantis. So, and Treasure Planet. I saw some Treasure Planet as well too. So definitely some obscure characters as well and some beloved characters from things like Atlantis. Um, so this is probably going to be a super popular set again and will definitely sell out like it did before over in Downtown Disney. Um, I unfortunately won't be able to make it to Friday over at Downtown Disney um, to do it, but I will try the next day on Saturday and see if there's anything left, right? Potentially could see if there's if they're maybe holding shipment back for multiple days, but I'll definitely try on Saturday um, to try my luck to see if I can get anything on that day. But wanted to bring that up because I know a lot of people asked about it last time when I went, and uh, this time let you know about it early enough in advance so if it's something you want to do or want to buy for someone else, you can go there and be prepared to know that you're probably gonna have to wait in line. So, but wanted to share that anyways. Next up, I wanted to talk about some of the refurbishments, closures, and other dates for things that people use to plan their upcoming visits, right? So we have talked about a few of them before, like the Mark Twain, but I wanted to talk about some of the fireworks shows since that's kind of changing and moving around uh, on the upcoming days here. So um, right now, currently, we have Mix, Mickey's Mixed Magic going, and that looks like it's continuing to go through basically almost the rest of the month of March. Um, so it's going to be having its final performance on the 21st. And then on the 22nd, we're going to welcome back Wondrous Journey. And if you remember earlier in the year or at the end of the year, Disney randomly shared that calendar of events um, for the first time that showcased the entire year's worth of events and, and festivals and things like that, which we don't usually see from Disney at the beginning of the year. And in that same post, they actually teased that we'd be getting back Wondrous Journey so people who really liked that show from the Disney 100 celebration um, wouldn't have to worry. But they did say that the show was only coming back for a limited run. Um, so we kind of have a little bit of an idea of the of the run. So it looks like we're getting um, Wondrous Journeys back on the 22nd. And then potentially um, it the, the little run that it's having is ending in, in the middle of April. Um, as we then prepare to welcome uh, the Pixar, like, I think it's Forever Better Together, or no, it's Together Forever? <laughs> Together Forever, I think it's called. Um, that Pixar show is coming back, of course, for the Pixar Fest, which returns in April. Um, so it's going to be a lot of switching around, but I think in that interim, after Wondrous Journey, um, we're, we're going to be getting um, Mickey's Mixed Magic back once again, um, in the middle of April. So something to keep in mind, we're going from Mickey's Mixed Magic to a short little run in spring break season of Wondrous Journey. And then, um, going into April and mid April, um, we're going to get Mickey's Mixed Magic back until we get the Pixar Together Forever show. Um, and that will run through the rest of the summer until the Halloween season for Halloween Screams. 
and um, and then of course believe in holiday magic for the holiday season. So that's essentially the nighttime entertainment, right? And in the mix of all that, um, of course, as you know, um, Fantasmic is coming back, and it's coming back Memorial Day weekend. So uh, Memorial Day weekend on the twenty fourth of May, um, they're going to be bringing back Fantasmic. So mix in with the new Pixar show coming coming back for Pixar Fest, um, we're going to have Fantasmic as well. So that'll be another option for nighttime entertainment. Now, as far as the saga of the Mark Twain, as of now, <laughs> at the recording of this podcast, it's still scheduled to reopen on the 24th, which is what we talked about last time. Um, I know it's moved twice now. Um, and as the day that I'm recording this podcast, we're in the midst of another pretty big storm here in Southern California with a lot of rain. When I saw the Mark Twain over the weekend, they were preparing it for the storm and um, they had covered a lot of it in tarps uh, over the sections that they're still working on as far as paint, maybe wood finish. I don't know exactly what it is they're doing on there, um, but they had it covered up. So it is um, hopefully going to be able to weather the storm, but I don't know if, if this current rainstorm is going to delay the Mark Twain even more than the 24th of February. But currently, as it stands, um, that is the return date. That's just a few short days, about a week or so, before Disney Channel night when they're supposed to have that Descendants River Cruise on it. So I hope that the Mark Twain is ready and available um, before that Disneyland After Dark event, because um, it'd be kind of a shame if they didn't offer that offering during that event. So, and of course, other closures like um, Astro Orbiter, which is in Tomorrowland, um, and the Haunted Mansions at Disneyland still exist at this time. Um, last I saw Astro Orbiter, it was being um, reassembled, and um, it was far along, but it's still not on the calendar as far as the dates coming back. So we just know it's coming back in the future. Just don't know the exact date yet because the calendar, I believe, only goes till the end of March um, and it hasn't shown us April yet. So um, Astro Arbiter is still unknown as far as the exact date. And then, of course, so is Haunted Mansion. So Haunted Mansion, um, still unknown. Rumors are that it's coming back um, in time for the Halloween season, which this year starts in August. Um, so that's, you know, still pretty far off, but still, um, you know, still cool that we get it this year, hopefully. Um, so that's kind of the latest as far as closures go over at, um, Disneyland Park and then at Disney California Adventure Park. Um, we do have a reopening date for Grizzly River Run, which we talked about before that's opening on the first. So literally just around the corner here, um, that'll be open and then ready for the spring break season. Um, it's still raining and cold, so maybe not a lot of people will be going on that once it reopens, but they've done a lot of work on it and um, are getting that ready to reopen soon. And then Radiator Springs Racers is actually scheduled to close in about five days on the 26th um, and will reopen that same weekend as Grizzly River Run on the 2nd. So Grizzly River Run opens on the 1st, and then Radiator Springs Racers reopens on the 2nd. So um, there is going to be those closures. Unfortunately, it's kind of a sad thing, right, for families that are traveling um, when Radiator Springs Racers is closed. Um, sometimes that's unplanned when, like, there's rain, for instance, and the, and the attraction really doesn't do all that well in the rain. Um, and then there's something like this where they have a small little planned out um, downtime for it. So... 
Um, keep that in mind if you are planning a trip and if it's like a must do, maybe try to reschedule to a different date after the second. Um, but so far no future, I mean, I'm sure that'll have some future ones, but they're not currently like on any calendar that we can reference. So wanted to share those with you guys for any upcoming visits you have planned to the resort. Next up, I wanted to transition over to one of our Southern California theme parks, Knott's Berry Farm, since we have some exciting events coming up for that as well, and some news too, and some of it is a little bit of sad news, at least for coaster fans. So um, one of the classic rides that maybe anyone remembers uh, when visiting, uh, you know, old Knott's Berry Farm or just even more recent Knott's Berry Farm um, is Montezuma's Revenge, right? It was a Schwarzkopf uh, looping, shuttle looping coaster, um, very old fashioned. And I believe one of the only kind um, of its of its kind that's left. Um, and so during the renovation in 2023 that Knott's was doing on Fiesta Village, um, this attraction was slated to receive a brand new makeover and refurbishment into a, a sort of a new style ride, but still paying homage to the original attraction. So the attraction was disassembled um, with new parts coming to replace the old ones, um, but keeping some of the old ones in place um, and, you know, the same style and, and everything. Um, they started the construction, but there was some sort of mishap with the the contractor or whatnot. I'm not quite sure because Knott's hasn't really shared the details. It's all just hearsay and speculation that's been found and talked about online. So... At this point, what we do know is that um, Knotts did give an official statement, I believe, to Orange County Register and a few other news media outlets back when Fiesta Village opened last year for its grand opening, um, talking about how the roller coaster would be delayed. Um, the rumors were swirling around the internet that the contractor who had tried to replace some of the track parts couldn't do it um, and backed out uh, from the project, leaving Knotts kind of in a nowhere to go state on this attraction with money already invested and no real end date or who to go to next as far as to finish the project. So um, it put it in a predicament, right? This was a historic landmark, um, a huge um, icon to a lot of people, a lot of coaster fans, and um, it was now gone with no replacement in sight for it. So um, Knott's hasn't confirmed any of that, right? They haven't even confirmed that the pro project had been canceled. However, there were some recent postings on Twitter of an SEC filing for um, Cedar Fair. And it talked about how they had, um, it made mention of a, a fully canceled project that was at Knott's Berry Farm in Southern California. And so people assumed it could be this. Um, there's some other people saying, no, it's not this. It's it's something else, um, like some sort of um, attraction or something that was coming for Camp Snoopy. Um, so I don't know. But it, it's all, again, it's all speculative. It's all hearsay. But people are hinting that maybe that's kind of the final goodbye for Montezuma's Revenge confirmation that... Um, the attraction is just going to quietly kind of go away, that it's not going to be available and that there's no real plans to redo it. And they're just kind of writing it off as like a loss here. Um, it's in a very small space, right? That really only can fit that style of coaster. 
And um, some keen fans were quick to notice that when the new app for Knott's Berry Farm came out, which came out, I think, last week or the week before, um, it the map for the app didn't include Montezuma's Revenge. In fact, there's just like a... It's completely removed from the map altogether. However, the Knott's Berry Farm website does still list Montezuma's Revenge um, as a roller coaster. It has a description for it, a whole page and everything. So... I'm not sure, you know, the app doesn't show it, but the website does. So it's still kind of in this weird limbo state when it comes to Montezuma's Revenge. But I just wanted to bring that up because that was kind of rumbling on Twitter recently as far as, oh, we got confirmation. Here's that excerpt from the SEC filing. So we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully Knott's does share some news. And even if that news means they are going to scrap the idea and no longer do... um, Montezuma's Revenge and just move forward with not having anything there, then that may be the case, right? And hopefully they share that rather than kind of just keep leading us on with no with no information, right? We did get a little bit of that from Disney when um, when the rocket rods closed in, um, I think it was 2000 or 2001, um, and they said it was closing for refurbishment and that it would be reopening in, like, I think it was spring 2001, and the signs all said that, and it was all posted on the outside of the attraction. And then um, that time came and went. The signs disappeared from the walls around the Rocket Rods attraction, and the attraction never opened. And the track sits there to this day, and uh, we never were given a reason as to why the attraction closed. Um, they never officially said anything about the attraction being closed. They just kind of like took it away from the website and the offerings in Tomorrowland, and um, the station is still there. The track is still there. As you guys know, you walk around it all the time. So wouldn't it be the first time a theme park has kind of like quietly tried to push under the rug um, a ride ha- that having to close down and, and never coming back? Um, so hopefully that isn't the case for Montezuma and they still try to go through with a really cool new addition of a brand new version of this ride. But um, it's not looking so good as far as the writing on the wall and what's been coming out. So Hopefully we hear news soon officially from Knott's Berry Farm. Additionally for Knott's Berry Farm is the upcoming Boysenberry Festival event. This is my favorite thing at Knott's Berry Farm. It's one of the things I can't wait to experience. So I'm looking forward to going as many times as I can uh, during the Boysenberry Festival this year. Um, It's going to be debuting on March 8th. So again, just around the corner. Um, just the weekend after I'm going to Disney Channel night at Disneyland. So March 8th through April 7th is its official full run. And then after April 7th, it's going to continue for the rest of April through the 28th, but only on the weekends. So if you want to experience the fullness of it, you're going to be wanting to go through March 8th through April 7th. And then, um, when you go on the weekends after that, it'll be there through April 28th. Um, but the Boysenberry Festival has entertainment. It has special characters. Of course, Boysenberry-themed food and treats all over Knott's Berry Farm, which is the huge draw for it all. And the tasting card is only $55. So $55 gets you six items, and the portion sizes on those six items are huge. So you are kind of incentivized at Knott's Berry Farm to buy that tasting card because... Um, individually priced items are a bit on the pricier side, even probably more expensive than you might find at Disneyland. Um, but I think that's because they'd rather you purchase, um, the tasting card, which if you do break it down math wise, ends up being such a better deal. So 
keep that in mind. You can buy online now and save money. So if you want to buy it online in advance beforehand, save yourself some money before actually getting there, I'd recommend that. They're doing hotel packages for the Knott's Berry Farm Hotel, which I think at the time of of opening uh, for the festival, the hotel is basically going to be done at that point for the most part. There's just a few things left, um, but that new restaurant will have opened. Um, the lobby's fully open last time I was there. So lots, uh, lots of new things happening for Knott's Berry Farm. Um, and then of course they're doing, um, admission tickets for that time period as well, starting at $60. So head on over to knottsberryfarm.com or knots.com, I believe. Um, and you can go to search for Boysenberry Festival and you can, um, see where they have the ticket packages and that tasting card where you can buy in advance. In addition to that, they also have the guide up. And they showed a ton of new foods, and I'm already seeing a bunch of stuff I want to try. Um, but they get creative, right? They get pretty creative with ways they can incorporate boysenberry into different things. Um, we're even seeing spam misubi with boysenberry soy sauce. So all sorts of crazy things you'd never think you'd see boysenberry implemented into. But that's the whole fun of the boysenberry festival. And of course, things like the pie eating contest and other shows like that. So I'm excited. Can't wait to try this out. Um, I'll be there on opening weekend, not on opening day, but opening weekend. Um, and I'm excited. So check it out with you guys. We'll talk about it here on the podcast and um, also post about it on the YouTube channel. And lastly, I wanted to head back to Disneyland Resort to talk about the other festival besides the Boysenberry Festival that's happening around the same time, debuting on March the 1st, which is the Food and Wine Festival. Um, and Disney also kind of quietly launched the Food and Wine Festival food guide, um, showing us what we can expect to find at all the different restaurants uh, throughout the park and hotels, and as well as all the different booths inside Disney California Adventure for the Food and Wine Festival. And for the first time during this festival, they're going to be offering two different kinds of Sip and Saver passes. So um, typically it's always been that during Festival of Holidays and the Food and Wine Festival, you buy a Sip and Saver pass, which has eight tasting tabs or cards on it. Um, that you can use throughout the festival at different booths and at some food locations um, for different items. And then for the Disney's uh, Lunar New Year Festival, they would have a Sip and Saver Pass that would have six tasting cards on it um, for different items throughout the festival, um, but not as many as the other festivals had. Well, this time for the Food and Wine Festival, they're offering two versions. So they're still going to have that eight tasting version, but if you're like, eight's too many, I don't want to try that many, they're going to be selling one that has half as many. So they're going to sell one that has just four. So if you feel like four is a better option, you and your friends that are coming, you and your partner, whoever, want to just try four different items and that's enough and you don't need to try eight, um, that, that's the better move, right? You can still save some money by pre-purchasing it um, in a format that saves you, you know, money rather than buying it individually. But it's going to be, um, you know, more than one option, which I think is great because I think sometimes you buy eight and then some people end up, you know, not using all of them on one day and then they try to bring it back another day. But maybe it doesn't work out and then the festival ends and you've wasted money because you have like leftover tabs. So I think the, the four tab option is really good and I'm sure there'll be uh, even more of a dollar incentive to purchase the eight option one. But it's nice that they have different ones available. 
But again, the dates are March 1st for the start of the festival, and it's going through April 22nd. So um, very similar time frame to the Boysenberry Festival at Knott's Berry Farm. And it looks like this time, according to the food guide, that we're going to have some really cool options. Right off the bat, I've, I've seen some pretty fun um, and tasty things that I want to try. Um, I'm definitely not going to count out the Lamplight Lounge um, for some of their special offerings that they have. Um, so it looks really, really good. Lots of fun um, new things that we haven't seen. I think they mentioned, uh, let me pull it up here so I can tell you guys. Okay, I have it up for you. So it says that there's going to be 80 new items, 80 brand new items that we haven't had at a, fa at a past festival that you'll be able to try this time at um, the California Food and Wine Festival. Right off the bat, the one thing that's sticking out to me is going to be over at the California Craft Brews booth, which is their big kind of beer booth um, that's usually typically like right across from Cars Land. I don't know if it's going to be in the same spot this time. But um, they're going to be serving um, cheeseburger pods, which um, for those that have been to Anim Animal Kingdom and been to Satuli Canteen um, and like the hamburger, the cheeseburger pods, I'm talking to you, AJ from Disney Food Blog and Kitra from Ordinary Adventures. Um, we're going to get our own taste of that here at Disneyland, finally. So the hamburger pods or the cheeseburger pods are coming to Disney California Adventure Park for the Food and Wine Festival. Um, it is called the Cheeseburger Bao with Thousand Island dressing on top, grilled onions, pickles, and tomato relish sprinkled all on top. Um, that is going to be served at the California Craft Brewers booth, along with an equally amazing s'mores tart um, with a graham cracker shell around it and like a toasted marshmallow. It looks phenomenal. Um, usually, I don't feel like the California Craft Brews booth goes this hard. But it is going this hard this time. So um, catch me there first <laughs> when I'm going that one. So that'll be one of the first things I go to. Um, wings are another really big hit at Food and Wine Festival. And we have wings again uh, during this festival. But this time um, they're going to be um, pizza flavored wings. I don't know how that works. Um, but they're cheese pizza flavored wings with a ranch dip that accompanies them. So that'll be, again, at the Cluckadoodle Moo booth, which in previous years has been um, right there at the Little Mermaid attraction across from Pixar Pier. So that's another one that stood out to me. Um, in addition to that, there was um, some impossible options, which are always kind of fun to try. Um, that one's going to be at an, a new booth called Earth Eats, which kind of reminds me of um, a booth we see over in Epcot for the Food and Wine Festival there, but I think that one's called like Terra or something like that. Um, but a similar concept. Um, and this one was Impossible Chicken Parmesan Bites um, and then an Impossible Beef Stroganoff. But all the accompanying ingredients are like, look like they're like regular milk, dairy, like cheese sauce, and then egg noodles are tossed in a cream sauce. So I don't feel like they're fully vegan dishes um they're both new options um but they don't look vegan so they just are vegetarian um potentially and there's a bunch of fun drinks as well too of course a staple that's been going on at all these um different food and wine festivals has been their paletas which are like 
ice cream bars, right? We've had some funky ones. Like last year, we had a street corn paleta that had like salsa on it and like was sweet corn flavored. And in the past, they've had like a guacamole avocado one. Um, this one kind of looks a little less adventurous. It's like um, more like a strawberry one with like popping boba on it and like some fruit drizzle. So not as like crazy as the ones in the past. Um, but there's just some really good options this time around. I think they really kind of just hit out of the park with like different fun options to try. Um, things were starting to feel a little stale, right? Especially with the food, the, the festival of holidays being like six or seven different Mac and cheeses, which is insane that they, they even considered that as an option for someone buying like a $60 sip and saver pass and all they're getting is Mac and cheese. Um, but, uh, we do have some mac and cheese options during food and wine, so they're not fully gone, but it's done in a way, um, that you'd expect, right? Just a few options and, um, and some really cool things like a barbecue pulled pork mac and cheese and, and, um, different options like that. So not like full on, like there's a carbonara, I think, um, garlic mac and cheese with like bacon on it. So there's like some pretty good implementations of it. But I'm really, really excited to try some of those. There's also uh, things we're seeing at like the Boardwalk Pizza and Pasta. They're getting in on it this time, which they don't always, but they are this time. Um, award wieners will have stuff. So it's going to be kind of an all park thing again, just like they had for um, the Lunar New Year Festival. So if you want to check out the foodie guide, um, I'll put the guide for both the Knott's Berry Farm Boysenberry Festival in the show notes, as well as the food and wine festival. So if you haven't seen it yet, you want to visually look at it and start planning some options. Um, I'll put those in the show notes. So if you're listening to this podcast um, and you're driving or doing work, um, just make sure you come back to the notes on the podcast of the episode, like the description of the episode, and then just expand that up so you can click those links and check it out yourself later on. Um, but I'm excited to try the food this time. Um, I wasn't that excited because typically food and wine festivals, my least favorite as far as offerings, but this one surprised me. It looks really good. Even Mondo was saying a lot of these things look really good. And he's typically pretty critical of a lot of the food options Disney offers at their festivals, but these look really good. And I'm excited to try not only the churros, the food offerings. So there's a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff that's on the docket. Um, that I'm going to be wanting to experience that weekend. So um, basically, March and April are going to be super busy. So we're not really going to have any time to breathe here. We're going into um, festival season with the Boysenberry Festival and the Food and Wine Festival. And then as soon as these festivals end, we're headed right into, um, you know, things like Fantasmic in the summertime and the Pixar Fest over at Disneyland. So a lot of things to look forward to, a lot of things to report on. So make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Um, whatever you're listening to, just click that follow button. Hit the like button on a different uh, on the podcast if you're doing like a little review for it. Um, it all helps everything kind of get pushed out there and noticed by other people that may be interested in it but haven't discovered it yet. Um, and you can also subscribe to me on YouTube at Just Ask Danny. And I'm also on all social media accounts as Just Ask Danny as well, too. So Instagram, Twitter, um, 
I do have a TikTok, but I don't post on TikTok. I just more like kind of like other people's videos and comments and stuff. But if you want to follow me there, you can. Um, I just don't post anything on that uh, that space. Um, and feel free to DM me on any of those other um, social media sites that I do post on regularly, especially like uh, Twitter. Um, I try to answer questions when I can on Instagram, probably more questions there than any. Um, so feel free to message me there. And if you'd like to email into the podcast, the email for the podcast is danny at justasdanny.com. Um, and you can send in things like voice notes, comments, questions, just, you know, feedback on anything you'd like to share. Uh, I'd love to see it, love to read it. Um, so send it on in. Um, but I want to thank you guys again for listening to the podcast and coming back every week and talking about it and sharing with me that you love it, that you love listening to it. Um, I appreciate all the feedback. Um, it's hard to do all this every single week as well as like working a job and all that stuff. So I appreciate you guys appreciating the efforts that go into it. Um, and, uh, thanks for, for listening and, uh, make sure, like I said, you are subscribed for future episodes and, um, I'll see you on the next one. Thanks everyone.